My name is Pastor Alicia and welcome to Excel Church. We're excited that you're able to join us on this Labor Day weekend. And I know that you have big plans, so I promise I won't be before you long. But let me tell you that as we close this series, The Always God, that there is a God that is always restoring. Somebody say, always restoring. Now, in this final week, I hope you've enjoyed this series, but this time we're going to be exploring with you all the ways that God is still restoring in our lives. We've already talked about how God has moved, how God um, is still interacting with his people today as he has in the past. And we're going to continue to do that even as we experience God more on this morning. Now, the eternal self-existent, all-powerful God has not changed. He is still the great I am. Somebody say the great I am. And today we're going to look at how he is still restoring. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a big fan of HGTV. Anybody else out there like to watch those home improvement shows? I've been a fan of them for quite some time. I remember when my husband and I first got married, we had um, a little fixer-upper of our own, and the shows brought me such great inspiration because I was faced with this house that was not exactly my dream house, and yet, as I was watching those shows and getting the inspiration, I found ways that I was able to transform completely make it something that was our own. And I have to tell you, I love that home. By the time God had blessed us that we would be able to move into something else, it was hard for me to leave because I had put my sweat, my blood, my tears and everything into making this home our own. Isn't that something how you can be confronted with something that's tattered and maybe not in the best of condition, but with a little bit of effort, with a little bit of, of, of know-how, how you can begin to improve it and turn it into something that you are proud to behold. That's kind of the concept of all those home improvement shows. Now, if you watched any of them, you know that there's one that's extremely popular and that had been around for quite some time. And it was this one called Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna Gaines. Anybody used to watch that particular show? <laughs> and when you watched it, you understood the concept was that a couple would buy a dilapidated home and Joanna and her husband Chip would go and they would renovate it. And then at the end of the show, there would be this big reveal where that family would be overwhelmed. They're, they just couldn't believe that the home that they purchased in such a wretched condition could become something so amazing. And they were always amazing. Now, maybe you haven't seen that particular show, but they all pretty much follow that format. So you might be familiar in general with the, the big reveal, the final sage of the renovation where everyone is amazed at how well everything turned out. Well, here's the thing I want you to know this morning. A lot of that has some similarities with what we may go through as Christians. I don't know about you, but when I look at the life that I had before I gave my life to Christ, 
I'm almost unrecognizable, right? Have you ever been somewhere and somebody did a double take when they saw you because they were just like, oh my gosh, you're, you're different. Not just in your physical appearance, but in everything about you and the way that you think and the way that you approach things and the way that you respond. Now, many of you might be thinking, well, not that much different and that's okay. Maybe this is the very beginning of your transformation and that's exciting to be a part of as well. But I want you to look with me this morning in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 18, verses 1 through 6, because just as these um, home improvement experts are taking homes and renovating homes, I want you to know this morning that there is an expert like no other that is taking people, taking those who are broken, taking those who are in need of renovation and changing and transforming lives even today. And as we look at that, you're going to see how God takes broken, marred, and as our text says, spoiled clay, and he fashions it. He forms it, and he molds it into something special. Are you there with me now? We should be in Jeremiah chapter 18. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house and there he was working at his wheel and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. In this passage, God is getting Jeremiah's attention. He wants to teach him a valuable lesson about how he works in people's lives, like me and like you. And he does it using this real life object lesson of a potter and clay. Now, the message this object lesson communicates is pretty simple. The potter has power over the clay and the potter works this clay, forms this clay, molds this clay to take whatever form or shape the potter desires. Now the clay, in order to conform to what the potter is designing, must be worked and reworked. The lumps in the clay have to be smoothed out. Where it is spoiled or marred, it has to be remade. Now this is an incredible picture of God and how he works in our lives. And I want to make three simple points from this text today. All right, are you ready? Just three simple, three simple points and then you'll be on your way. All right, so write this first one down for me. Point one, we are all broken. We are all broken. Um, and of course, I'm using the word broken as a synonym for the word found in verse four, spoiled. 
And this is exactly what the word means. Jeremiah uses the same word in chapter 13 to describe a belt um, he was commanded by God to bury and later to dig up. And after he dug up the belt and he described it in verse seven as being ruined, spoiled, and said it was good for nothing. The NIV says useless. It was broken. So is there anything worse than something breaking and not fulfilling the purpose for which it was created? Can't think of much worse. But here's the thing. We're all spiritually broken. This is what sin does to us. It corrupts us. It mars us. It breaks the relationship between God and humanity. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Translation using Jeremiah's term, for all are spoiled. And the only solution for spoiled clay is to be refashioned and remade by the potter. This is a picture of salvation. The only solution to sin, to the brokenness in our lives, is the gospel. When we submit our life into the potter's hands, he begins to form, to fashion, and to make us into what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 calls a new creation. Yep, a new creation. Let's reflect on the context of this passage for a minute. Jeremiah is, as you know, a prophet. And the, and the message he proclaimed for 40 years was one of judgment on the people of Judah. He predicted that Jerusalem would fall to the Babylonians and that God's chosen people would be carried off into exile. He's called a weeping prophet because the reality of what he prophesied broke his heart. It's important to note the object lesson that God gives him refers to a people God was in a covenant relationship with, the people of Israel. Jeremiah 18, 6 uh, said, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. I highlight this just to make the point that once we have been remade by God and entered into relationship with him, that doesn't mean we have arrived. Footnote, did you catch that? Somebody say that. Just because we are in relationship with God does not mean we have arrived. Salvation is when God's shaping work starts in our lives, not when it stops. And like the people of Judah, over time, even those of us in relationship with God can step outside of his will. Even those of us in relationship with God can choose to live in sin and disobedience. We can make decisions 
that cause lumps to form in the clay. And it's at this point that we learn the same valuable lesson that Jeremiah did. Clay that is marred, clay that is broken, can be reworked and remade. It can still be restored. So that brings me to our second point. Number two, only God can restore the broken. Somebody say that with me. Only God can restore the broken. Only the potter has power over the clay. Only he has the power to rework it, to remake it, to restore it. And this should bring you great hope this morning. Because I know that I am speaking to a number of people who are Christians, who have trusted in Jesus, who have given their life to Christ and they trust God for forgiveness of their sins, but have still gotten away from God. Amen. Sin leads to a hardening of heart. Hebrews 3, 7 and 13 says, hardened by deceitfulness of sin. And here's the thing, the harder the clay gets, the less moldable it becomes. Think about Play-Doh for a second. Have you guys ever noticed that? I don't know about you, but if you've had children, grandchildren, worked at a daycare or been anywhere where there's been some Play-Doh, you know that occasionally the lid does not get put back on the little jar that the Play-Doh comes in. And what happens? What happens when that lid does not get put back on that jar and that clay sits out in the air for too long? It doesn't feel like Play-Doh anymore, does it? It started off malleable, moldable. You could take it, you could make it, you could frame it into whatever it is you wanted it to be. But did you notice that when it becomes hardened, it becomes much less um, moldable? It's much more difficult to fashion it, to make it into what it is that you desire for that piece of Play-Doh to be. It gets hard. It gets brittle. It's not as easy to work with. <laughs> Sounds a little familiar, right? It's not as easy to work with. I know I'm not talking about none of us. We're easy to work with. I know God can do whatever he wants to do in our life, right? But what's true for Plato is sometimes true for us in our lives. If we don't keep our hearts soft before God, if we don't take care of our personal relationship with Jesus through abiding in him, if we choose not to listen to him, and to embrace his word in our life. This is what leads to hardening. Somebody say hardening. Often when our heart becomes the hardest, God has to break us in order to reveal to us how he can best use us. Did you catch that? Some of you are here this morning and it's hard to listen to this because you're in sin. The deceitfulness of it, the consequences that have come along with it have hardened your heart. 
And at the very same time, it has led you and it is leading you to a place of extreme brokenness. I'm afraid. I'm grieving. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. And today, maybe due to sin that has hardened you or a situation or circumstance that is overwhelming you, maybe what you're screaming is help. I'm broken. Maybe a relationship has ended and you feel broken. Someone you love has passed away and you feel broken. An injury or an illness is holding you back and you feel broken. Maybe you've recently been let go on your job and you feel broken. Listen to me this morning. I come to you with very good news. You don't have to run from God and you certainly don't have to lose hope. You are in the right place at the right time. You are in the place where you can hear a reminder of the word of God. God can restore that which is broken in your life. He is yet restoring. Somebody say that with me. God is still restoring. No matter what it is you're dealing with this morning, God is still restoring. I need you to hear that. Somebody go ahead and type that. God is still restoring. It doesn't matter what you're facing, what you've done, or how you feel that you have failed. God is able. Let the potter do what he does best and remake you into something beautiful. See, that's the thing. We've got to be we've got to be willing to let go and to let God redesign, remake scrap, start over, do what you need to do in my life, God. See, some of us, we're too busy holding on to things that we need to let go of that is going to hinder the transformation. Can I get a witness this morning? I don't know about you, but every time I watch one of those shows, it seems like there is somebody somewhere that doesn't want to let go of something. You know, they, they're hoarding. They, they're, 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 they're having a transformation and on the one hand, they trust the design and they trust the skills of these people who they've welcomed into their home. But in their mind, somehow they know better. And this is something that they just think can't be moved, can't be changed. It can't go. And time and time again, when they go ahead and they release whatever that thing is and they allow that designer to do what they envision can be done, they're absolutely blown away by the outcome. And you can almost imagine if they had not been given that liberty, what an eyesore it would have been for this wretched thing to be in the presence of all this beauty and all of this glory. Think about that in our lives. Think about the things that we are not willing to let go of. The, the, the attitudes, the, 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 the ways that we even think sometimes. Come on, Christians, I need you to dig deep. I want you to think about the, the thoughts that you're still thinking. The, the negative thoughts that we think even about other Christians because of their choices, because we don't agree with them. And we have a firm belief that if they don't agree with us, then it can't be God. 
Think about the ways in which God is trying to transform you. He's trying to get you to shave off some things that you're holding on dear to. Hold on beliefs that you're holding on dear to. How about we hold on dear to the word of God? How about if it's not rooted and grounded in Jesus, then it's free to be rearranged and removed. I need somebody who is willing to say, God, my soul and everything that is important is anchored in you. And if it's not anchored in you, if it's not connected to bringing me closer to you, if it's not a part of your plan for my life, if it's not a part that is going to bring you glory and bring me closer to the person that you're creating me to be, you have the authority. You are at liberty to remove it and rearrange it as you bring forth the great transformation in my life. That's where we begin to see the brokenness heal when we release and allow the potter to decide what to do with the clay. Amen? John 8, 10 through 11 talks about um, a story where a woman was caught in adultery. And um, I know you all remember the story. She was marred, she was broken. But what did Jesus do? John 8, 10 and 11, Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on sin no more. He restores her in a moment of grace. He shows the woman love. I need you to catch that. Somebody say, show love. It's exactly how God treats all of us in sin. He restores us no matter what. Did you catch that? No matter what. God restores us. See, that's a hard thing for some of us because some of us don't want other people to be forgiven. We want to be forgiven. But for some of us, we got deal breakers. You know, not restore no matter what. There's some things you could do where it's just, no, God restores. God restores. It's not up to us to decide whether a person should be restored. God is the potter. And for us this morning who are broken, what a relief that our neighbor doesn't get to decide whether we get a clean slate. What a relief that that person who has been causing you so much grief is not in charge of your destiny. Amen. What a relief to know that it is God and God alone that has the power to restore you. And if you turn your eyes towards him. Come on, get your eyes off of what other people are saying and what other people are thinking. If you put your focus on him, that God can and will restore. Whew. I want to make sure I get to that third point so we can close. So I'm going to speed through a couple of my notes that I had planned on sharing, but God had a different plan. I, I'm glad I shared with you what I did instead. There's a lot of failures that I know that we feel. And there's a lot of disappointments we have in ourselves. And, and those disappointments are rightful. It's rightful that we're disappointed. And sometimes we're disappointed with others. But what we have to be reminded to do, and I think it's so hard for us at times, 
And I'm, I'm glad that I'm here this morning to give you this reminder. Is pray. Pray for the Holy Spirit to be able to speak and to reveal and to share and to show. Your brow beating, your unkind words, your harassment, <laughs> your Facebook trolling. None of those things are going to bring the restoration. Our God is able. Our God is able. And so whether it's in the life of someone that you love or in your own life, please turn to God. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And as Christians, we just have to keep reminding ourselves that his word is true and that he is able and that all of your efforts, if not breathed on by the Holy Spirit, if not inspired by the Holy Spirit, if not a work of God, is in vain. So let us do what is fruitful. Let us do what we know is going to make a difference. Let us go to our Father and let us pray and let us ask him, God, please help me in, in the areas that I'm broken. I can't fix it. And no matter who I bring it to, they can't fix it. The person I love can't fix it. My coworker can't fix it. My pastor can't fix it. You and you alone, God, you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all I could ask or even think to ask, even though it looks irreparable. I've had times, I don't know about you, but I've had times where one of my children have come to me with tears flowing because it's something that they loved had been broken. And they, they would bring it to me almost in, in disbelief that I could do anything, but they, they're just kind of just showing me it's broken, but in their mind, it's beyond repair, but they just want me to see how they've lost something that they love and it's damaged and it can't be fixed. And if you've been in this situation, you know, maybe it looked like to them, it could not be fixed, <laughs> but with a little bit of a, a needle and thread, a little bit of super glue, a little bit of love or a little bit of Amazon prime, one or the other, it was fixed. It was fixed. It was something that, that, that God can do that you can't do. God can heal that you can't heal. Drugs can't heal. Alcohol can't heal. More lovers can't heal. God is able and God alone is able. That's what I want you to get this morning to restore. All right, I got to get to the point three. And the point three, in case you haven't figured out, is God wants to restore you. So not only are we all broken, so you don't have to feel singled out. Not only is God able to restore those that are broken, but he wants to restore you. This is where we close it. This is where we make it personal. This is where we bring it in. I truly hope that you make this message personal today, that it's not just about somebody you know or something that somebody else is going through, but you can hear it for what God wants to say to you. Because remember what I said, even those who are Christians, even those of us who know the Lord and who have been walking with the Lord, there's an area of your life that's a little hardened that God needs to remold and refashion in order to get the glory out of you. The potter has power over the clay and pity upon the clay. Ephesians 2 uses the word workmanship. 
to describe his work in our life. It's a word that means poem. God is writing a beautiful poem in your life. Now, speaking of poetry, listen to this one as it relates to our message today. It's called The Touch of the Master's Hand by Myra Brooks Welch. Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but held it up with a smile. What am I bidden, good folks, he cried. Who shall start the bidding for me? A dollar, a dollar, then two, only two, two dollars, and who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three, but no, from the room, Far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loose strings, he played a melody pure and sweet. The music ceased and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars, and who'll make it two? Two thousand, and who'll make it three? Three thousand, once, three thousand, twice, and going, and gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried, we do not quite understand what changed its worth. Swift claimed the reply, the touch of a master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioned cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin, a mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once and going twice. He's going and almost gone. But the master comes and the foolish crowd can never quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that's wrought by the touch of the master's hand. If that doesn't say it all, let me give you the name of that again for those of you who I know want to go find that. The Touch of the Master's Hand by Myra Brooks Welch. The master, the potter, our God can take your life, simple lump of clay, and in a moment, his touch, as you remain pliable and soft in his hands, he will form you, he will remake you. He will restore you into something that he can use for his glory. Yes, you. Yes, you. You know, the favorite part in all of those home improvement shows is the end. The great reveal where the couples get to see what has been done and their faces are in amazement and shock and sometimes they're speechless. And a very real real way. This is how we should look at ourselves. This is how the world should look at us. God takes us. He works us. And as he does, we should get so excited about what he is doing in our lives. I know you haven't seen the finished product yet. I know you're still a work in progress, but as some used to say, you are not where you used to be. Even though you're not where you want to be yet, remember, you are not where you used to be. And God is doing an amazing work in your life. And we're going to celebrate God. Hallelujah.
for what he is doing. He is the greatest fixer upper in the world. All right. And he wants to restore you today. So let's pray. God, ha, huh. God, I thank you. I thank you for how you are able to restore the broken areas of our life. Father, give each and every person here this morning the courage to believe that you can restore anything. Anything. God, give them the courage. Give them the faith right now. I'm imparting supernatural faith, even as I pray that you will begin to raise your level of belief in the power of God. God is able. He can restore anything. And God is able to remake and make new in a way that you cannot even recognize. So God, I thank you that right now you are transforming lives. I thank you, Father, that you're transforming hearts. You're transforming minds. You're transforming transforming belief systems, God. I thank you that people will begin to put their trust in you, put their hope in you, put their faith in you this morning, oh God. I thank you that as they put their hope in you, that you will begin to show them in your word what you desire to do in their lives. I thank you, Father, that you will begin to inspire them and encourage them with dreams and visions of where you're taking them and where they're going. Father, I thank you that you will begin to surround them with godly counsel, godly friends, godly people who will stand in agreement with them about what you're going to do and how you're going to restore. And no matter what the enemy says or what the devil tries to whisper in their ears, oh God, I thank you that they will hear your voice and that the voice of another that they will not follow. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are restoring your children and you're bringing them back to you, back into right fellowship with you, Father God, that they're not looking to the left and to the right, that they're not looking to the psychic and to the, the people who are speaking most loudly on social media, oh God, but that they are training themselves to look to you for their direction, to look to you for their correction, to look for you for everything that they need, God. Father, be their God, be their, their designer, be their, the construction, be everything, Father God. Renew the plans, Father, and approve them only as it furthers your will in their life, Father. And do something that is amazing, that, that when the neighbors drive down the street, Father, they won't even recognize who they are and who they have become because of the workmanship that you have and that you have placed upon their lives. We believe you for it now. We count it as already done. And we thank you even in advance. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, that was for everybody. That was for everybody. Now, now I got a special prayer request. A special prayer request. And I ask you to indulge me just for one more minute. One of our dear daughters in the Lord has lost her mother. And the Harding family needs our prayers this week as they go through one of the most difficult times of their life and the loss of our sister Mary Harding. And so I'm going to ask you all to just stretch forth your faith and pray that wherever the Harding family is right now, wherever they're at, whatever they're dealing with, whatever Richard and Genuine and, and Devonair and Chance and Lavetta and the rest of their family are going through, that they will feel a supernatural touch from God. Hallelujah. I know my God is able and he's able to bring supernatural peace. 
So every area of their lives right now that is hurting and broken from the loss of their matriarch, we're praying right now together as a family that God will send his peace. God will send peace that surpasses all understanding and touch this family in a way that they know that the love of God is upon them. All right. So God, we thank you. We just thank you for your love. We thank you for every person, even people we do not know that are facing grief and loss this week. And God, we thank you for our church family. And we thank you for those who are a part of this community. God, and we thank you, Lord, that we can rally around each other at such a time as this. God, help us to show love. Father, you show your love. Pour out your love supernaturally in a way that they can feel your presence. Even as they go through this time, God, we ask you, we touch and agree, believing that you can do all things, God, so that we know that you can. And we know that you are able. So God, we're asking you to stand with them, to undergird them, to love them, to wrap your loving arms around each and every member of this family and let them draw closer to you as they go through this difficult time. God, we thank you and we praise you in advance because we know that you heard and you will answer our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, I'm out of time. Love y'all. See you next week.